Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 14. Got a very special guest in again today. We have Steve Sirtis from the Billman Track Foundation. Welcome, Steve. Hey, guys. How are we doing? So, Steve is the lead guide with the foundation and runs a lot of the events that they organize throughout the year. I just wanted to give us a little bit about yourself, Steve, and your role with the foundation. Yeah, so I've been with the foundations almost since the start. I joined as a, a volunteer and a member back in 97, so a fair while. And I began as the events manager in about 99, so putting together the events calendar and all the programs since then, which has been great fun. I guess one of the best things is um, seeing the organisation grow and become what it is. Yeah, it's been great fun and meeting all the people along the way and of course getting out in the bush, best part of it really. Indeed, so you've been there since the full alignment's gone through, is that right? Yeah, I actually started walking the old bib track before the new one was constructed, which was interesting. Uh, but yeah, that's right, since uh, the new track was open, I was already on board yeah excellent so the reason we've got steve in is we're going to continue on our billman track podcast we're doing collie to bailing up and between don and steve they'll be able to give a recall of all their stories and memories from the track uh, because it's not one that i've done okay so i guess we'll start we're going to continue north to south so we've heard don and myself's opinions on collie steve what do you think of collie as a track town it's different it's um it's actually a nice town to get into um, because it's slightly bigger than some of the others. So from that perspective, it's got a lot more facilities, I guess. You've got a bit of a different way of approaching the town because of the spur. It's, you know, the track doesn't go right through town, which is kind of a bit different, bit interesting. Some people like it, some people don't. But as a town, you know, it's... A nice one for to be a track town. It's got all the facilities a walker needs. There are some really friendly people there. And I think it's actually got a lot going for it going into the future. And do you have any favourite spots in town? Mm, well, I have stayed at the Collie Fields a few times. Uh, quite like their rain showers, <laughs> which is always good after walking south from uh, dwelling up. Yeah. Not having a, a shower for quite a while. I guess, no, that, that'd be about it, really. Because, <laughs> again, when you come off the track, get into a town, one of the first things I think about is having a shower. So, yeah. So, after a good rain shower, you finished a trip from dwelling up to Collie. We'll talk about going out of town. So, you freshly showered after arriving in town. Day one of hiking, what are you guys' thoughts? We'll get uh, Don, you just chime in with this one first. I guess one of the things when you're heading out, as, as Steve was talking about the Spur Trail, is that it goes through the Westralia Conservation Park, which is not a particularly thrilling section of forest, I think. It's a bit stunted in the, the Jarrah Forest there. I, I think, I actually, I'll, I'll just preface that by saying that I actually quite like from bailing up, uh, sorry, from Collie up until Mumble Up, I think is actually quite an enjoyable bit of forest. And I think that some of the Jarrah forest in there, and as a major critic of the Jarrah forest, I will admit I actually quite like a lot of the Jarrah forest there because there's a lot more mature trees and a lot less burnt forest in some of the sections, especially near the first hut there. But Westralia Conservation Park is probably not the most inspiring bit of, uh, of Jarrah forest walking on the track. Yeah, I, I kind of know what you mean there, Donovan. Westralia has been burnt a lot uh, from prescribed burning. I do, however, like the she-oak forest that you, you come across through that area, particularly where the spur trail joins the main trail. And then once you head further south, of course, there's some other interesting things, like you go past the Mungalup Dam. I think I've got that right. And although you can't swim in it because it's, it's a water catchment. But um, yeah, I find the, the forest even further south towards Yabberup campsite pretty interesting. There is also a, um, and I'm doing this from memory, a boardwalk there where I've actually found some baronia, the brown baronia growing, which I haven't seen anywhere else on the track. Right. I quite like the bit when you come up to the river there mm. and you can see they've got, you know, the, you can see the river and it's quite a different environment to, uh, to me, it almost feels like when you leave Australia, it sort of slowly fades away from that kind of sandy soil and you start getting a lot more wildflowers and a lot more interesting mm. 
sort of scenery along that stretch there. And I was actually quite surprised because when having done the way into Collie from dwelling up, that I'd walked that section before and I, I was just thinking, oh God, we're going to have to walk through that again. But it was actually a lot nicer than I expected coming through. And as you say, like, you know, the, with the Baronian, there's a lot of wildflowers there that make it quite spectacular in late um, winter and autumn and early, um, sorry, in early spring. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think also what I might just add before we get too far away from the Spur Trail, a lot of people ask why doesn't the track actually go into Collie? Why has it got a spur trail? I think the main reason behind that is because there's just so much private property and to avoid the track actually following a bitumen road all the way in, for, you know, for a considerable distance anyway, it kind of tucked around to the, you know, further to the west and slightly even south of Collie as it comes in. It's not ideal. I mean, we would much prefer the track go right through the town. That way people definitely stay in town and it brings, you know, a definite economic benefit to the town. But there you have it. It's one of those things that's uh, been there since the start. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll hear people grumble. I mean, they grumble about the 4x4 tracks, um, bitumen tracks mm. even more. So, yeah, if you had to have a long stretch, and Collie's quite a big town as well, mm. so you'd be walking through the suburbs, it kind of would take a little bit away. Um, but, yeah, that's the way it's been designed and has yeah okay so we'll get on to the first shelter or campsite for the evening and that's uh Yabarup. recently been given a little bit of a makeover i was there last year some new oil cleaning out tent sites were all redone what do you guys thought i was there a couple of weeks after you were there and i can say that uh, you and the team did a fantastic job it was nicely oiled and looked very good yeah, I can't take any credit for that. I did none of the oiling. <laughs> I did create a tiny bit of the section of the track uh, that avoided a 4x4 four four track, so I have built a part of the Bilberman now, so I'm quite proud of that. Nice. But in terms of a campsite, what do you guys think? Donovan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I quite like it. I think it's not a spectacular site, but, um, you know, it's a good one. It's It looks a lot like the ones in that part of the track, but of the ones that are there, I, I like probably Swamp Oak, the best of the ones in the sort of Jarrah Forest section of the track there. But it's, it's a nice campsite. And I like that it's also close to the Spur Trail, which we'll get into, I guess, in more detail. But it's nice being able to see two campsites in within, you know, 10 minutes. So, yeah, okay. I, quite, I quite like Yabarup. Yabarup, the shelter itself, is uh, one of the ones that was originally built when the track was being constructed. I think that one was actually built in 1995 well before the track opened in that section which was 1997 um, and you can kind of get an idea of that because of the design of the shelter it's one of the original designs it's made of pine it's the smallest type it's got you know the table in the middle it's supposed to only sleep eight or so so it's probably well overdue for oiling i'd say yeah. <laughs> um yeah i noticed um, something with that steve um i noticed that it had no skylight um which kind of right. was it a bit of a prototype yeah, look, there were a few that popped up in the early days like that. Um, Ball Creek was actually another one that never had one in there and it eventually got one put in. Um, so I don't know whether it was just forgotten on those particular shelters or whether it wasn't part of the design, but it has been part of some of the upgrades to put those skylights in or, the you know, the, the clear sheeting on the roof. Yeah. Yeah, certainly one thing that struck me when we first got there, it was daylight, yet when mm. you went inside the shelter, it was quite dark, which I imagine you'd get a good night's sleep if there was a moon out. But in terms of getting there in the afternoon, if it's raining, you're there in the shelter and you're kind of stuck, so it'd be a little bit dark and depressing. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think it's that shelter I've actually walked up to from one of the ways in, I can't remember, and I didn't even notice there was someone on the top bunk until we're laughing. Yeah. When we rocked up, I sat down in, in the shelter and Alyssa just looked at me and said, nah, I'm not sitting in there. And we actually sat on the, the table outside because it just looks so uninviting. Yeah, I guess because the, the roof is so low in those as well, it's mm. it does tend to be a bit more claustrophobic. I guess what you've got to remember is that when the, the, the idea of the design of the shelters was thought of, no one thought the track would be that popular. And that's why they're only built to sleep eight people. You know? As you know, we're, we're looking at different designs and yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the campsite or the shelter at Shannon National Park where you can, you've got the camp, the tent sites and everything, and then they have these little shelters that are meant to sleep for. 
and it just looked like somewhere you'd get murdered in a horror film. <laughs> <laughs> just no no light, just horribly damp and cramped, and yeah, yeah. It's a Yabberop is a lot better than that. It just kind of you know, reminded me a little bit of that. You're not saying that because it's near Collie now, are you? No. Um, yeah, the pig hunters around there are very nice people. <laughs> So when you've had a, a peaceful night's sleep at Yabberup, heading south, um, more of the same guys or is it a little bit more different on this section of the track towards Nogarup? To start with, it's it's very similar, I guess. You're still walking through the, the same kind of Jarra forest. I guess for me, I've got to remember that I haven't actually walked that particular section in about five years so which is when we did an end-to-end to do the guidebooks so I was, I was frantically reading through the books <laughs> just to remind me about that but um, I do I do remember quite a lot of it um, a bit further south from there but for some reason that little section in what what you walk through eludes me but what I did recall if I can just detract a little bit um, was that when I first walk that section on my first end-to-end I actually did the worst thing you could do which was walk in summer that was back in 2000 and I was really lucky with a cool summer and no fires but I was walking I was actually doing a a double through there and I reached Yabba up I left Collie at something stupid like 3 a.m because it was going to be 30 degrees or something Mm. and I thought that was pretty hot and I got to Yabba up about nine and realized that I'd lost my hat off my pack (laughs) and I walked back for about an hour looking for it because I thought, you know, it's going to be a hot day. I need it. Couldn't mm-hmm. find it. Bumped into two people walking the other way just south of Yabarup. And I told them just to look out for it. And if they found it, just to send it back to the office because mm-hmm. it had sentimental value more than anything. When I got to bailing up further down the track, there was a package at the post office addressed to the guy without a hat. <laughs> and they had, they had posted it to bailing up. Didn't know my name, just knew I was heading oh, there. Wow. And um, so, yeah, one of the good stories. But that's that's really all I remember of that section just south of Yabra. <laughs> okay, we'll get Don. You've recently done this last year. Why don't you give yeah, us your account? So I think, you know, the the bit just after the campsite is a, was a bit burnt. But after a while, it, you know, I saw I saw that bit that you constructed. And that was, I, I like that even though it is a bit burnt through there, I appreciated the work that was being done to divert the track away from the road bash. I think that that's mm-hmm. one of the things that makes the Bibbleman track a great trail is that there's always this constant improvement that's going on. And I, I like the fact that I could see that something had been done to take people away from the road. And mm-hmm. that, that was really nice. But heading away from that further along, I actually really like the section of track that goes along Glen Mervyn Dam. I think that mm-hmm. the dam's a really nice experience. It, it actually made Alyssa and I think a bit of Lake St. Clair. I mean, it's not, it's very different. But for some reason, I think looking at the the body of water made us think of of that as we were walking around. Yep. So you can't see this, but there's some very uh, shocked looks on our faces right there. But yeah, if that reminds you of Lake St. Clair, then can't say anything about that. I was going to bring you back a little bit, Don, because we did cross your favorite um, soon-to-be-named trail. I'm surprised you didn't mention it at all. Powerline Road? Powerline Road. We had to, when we were I, doing the volunteer day, we had to drive along Powerline Road to get to the, the campsite and all I could think of is Don would really enjoy this drive. <laughs> it's such a dear trail to me. It's almost like a, another topic that we should talk about on a separate pod. So I was just saving it for another time, Mark. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine how that pod would go and more power lines and then follow the power lines and then you see more power lines. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the know- greatest trail Ever. I've had people, well, I've read it in the registers in the campsites, but I've had people email us at the foundation saying that they attempted to walk longer sections along the power lines because it was shorter. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, when you can avoid the power line, you can actually avoid it, do it, because it's not a good yeah. idea to follow power lines. <laughs> For a number of reasons, apart from the fact that there's no shade, it's not the most no, interesting yeah. thing to do. There's health risks involved. <laughs> yeah. And you got to remember that the power lines were constructed to go from A to B in a direct line. They mm. do not follow contours. Mm. So, you know, you're going to hit the hills. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe they wanted that. <laughs> Sunburn and sore legs. <laughs> so moving on, any other highlights in this section you can think of, Don? 
the the walking is actually really good up until the dam and I actually quite like the, the fact that the dam has a bit of a sort of brutalist architecture kind of style about it with the way that the water flows over the spillway we happened to be there in what I think was quite a wet year so the water was flowing over and it was it was really cool the forest leading out of there was a little bit ordinary leading from there to Mumbi pub I can, I can kind of see the limitations that the track you know the the track planners would have had because there's no not really anywhere to go because it's all basically people's mm -hmm. farms um, but I think we've talked about this before Mark about how we actually don't mind the farms and it, it would have been okay I, I feel to for it to go past a bit of that farmland yeah certainly I enjoy kind of seeing open fields mm -hmm. every now and then and coming from dwelling up to where we are now there's just a lot of jarrah forest mm -hmm. and kind of variety would be nice I'm not sure if the foundation would ever look at doing that or how hard it would be with organizing with the farmers that are there but yeah it'd be nice to walk in the open every now and then given that most people walk from autumn to spring so it's not a case of being out in the heat or anything like that but yeah i certainly enjoy a bit of farm walking yeah you are right it does kind of leave the dam and cross the highway there does a bit of a loop before it starts heading south then back to mumble up because of the farmland you know, that little section I do remember uh, because I was wondering the first time I did it, why am I going in a loop? But yes, it answered, you know, your, answer, your question is answered when you see the map and see all the farmland there. It is tricky. You know, it's not like UK where they have the right of way. And we have, oh, how do I say it? Fallen foul might not be the quite the right way to say it, but, you know, got into trouble where the track has gone through farmland. And of course, the part just south of Mumbalup is an example of that. Um, mm. But but just stepping back with Glen Mervyn Dam, obviously a lot of people would know the the various problems we've had um, around the dam with other uses and other campers and you know rubbish and that kind of thing uh, around the dam. It has uh, uh, been realigned a number of times, and I think it's better than what it was without leaving the shores too much. I guess I actually really like the dam as well. Um, it's a great spot for a swim. You don't get a whole lot of that in the northern section. Mm. But yeah, of course, then you uh, have got the highlight of the Mumbalup Tavern just south of there. When I've been there, I haven't actually popped into the Mumbi Pub. But how is the food there? I haven't eaten there for so long. I've got I've got a little <laughs> I've got a little problem with the Mumbi Pub. I'll admit I'm vegetarian. Uh, <laughs> oh really <laughs> and while i hear a lot of people rave about their burgers uh, you know that kind of thing um you know it doesn't really work well for me all the time but i guess the other thing going from the north you arrive there too early it's not a place where i've kind of waited until it's opened heading that way coming mm. from the south different story over the years i have actually stayed there as well a, a long time ago now it's been through a number of owners since i was last uh, staying there. I guess my fondest memory isn't the menu. It's actually a t-shirt they used to sell there. And I haven't seen it for a long time. I don't know if you know about it, but on one side of the shirt, it said, uh, where the hell is Mumbalup? And on the back, it said halfway between Yabberup and Noggerup, <laughs> which is pretty cool. <laughs> Fantastic. It technically answers the question. <laughs> because I mean, yeah, they weren't even referring to the track campsites because they're talking about the localities which oh, okay. go east and west. Yeah. So to the east is Nogarup, to the west is um, Yabarup. But yeah, it worked so well for the Bumland track as well. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hey, I, w I would have bought one of those if they still had them. Yeah, it'd be like a cool retro, like hipster <laughs> hiking shirt that like kind of only the cool kids will get, or the old kids in this case. <laughs> <laughs> we should print some up. Yeah, sorry. I'll just have to remember that tip, Steve, because uh, yeah, I've recently converted to being a vegetarian this year, or pescatarian anyway. Um, so yeah, doing that section in July, I'll have to reconsider my options. <laughs> I had a salad there once. It came with ham. <laughs> <laughs> now, Steve, you were talking about farmland, um, and this mm. is something that I was gonna. Uh, I was hoping that you might be able to shed some light on. Is that? From the old guidebook, it suggests to me that the track used to go straight through the farmland. Is that right? Yeah, there's been a few different alarms there. So the old Bibbulmun track itself, funnily enough, used to go to Mumbalup as well and used to go left along the road to the actual town of Nogarup. And so when the new track was being built, it was realigned to head up to the... Is it the Nogarup National Park? Or the Preston National Park at the top of the hill? I haven't got the map in yeah, front of me. Yeah, Preston's at the top Preston. there. Okay. Yeah. And yes, it used to go straight up the farmland, uh, pretty much from the tavern. Um, it followed the railway line for 
a short distance, then went left up the hill, followed a fence line. So you're on the one property the whole way up. And it was like that for quite a long time, from my memory, maybe 10 years. And then we had a few problems with a change of ownership and the new owners had some issues with walkers passing through and then permission was denied all of a sudden. So, and I guess being that whole area, being so much of a farmland, the only way to get around it was to go up the road, which is where it goes now. I think one of the things I do like about that is you get to see those microwave, um, the <laughs> the microwaves. <laughs> yeah, the letterboxes that are there, which is kind of cool. It's, it's kind of weird, but cool. <laughs> it's a great way to keep your mail dry. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, lot, a lot of people comment on those when we drive past. We do one of our tours. We uh, quite regularly drive past down there and, you know, we tell everyone to look out the left as we drive down. But, um, yeah, the walk along the road, uphill road, it's not much fun, really. Especially if there's a truck coming up <laughs> the road as well, which we experienced. That, mm. wasn't, that wasn't great. No, and we've actually looked at even just cutting a trail through, even just off the road, but that's we've had problems with that as well with regard to land tenure. Um, so nothing's been really, I don't know, decided upon there or, or a way forward even. It's just not happening. Maybe to have some kind of like bicycle transfer bit for just for that little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like tie in with the Mundabitty, like ever sort of bikepacking and then you could just ride along the road. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, really, that road is just a way of getting up the hill to the National Park at the top at the moment. It's, yeah, mm. it's not ideal at all. Um, if I had my wish, I'd get the tracker aligned back through the farmland again and, you know, maybe change of ownership. I don't know. That could happen again. Yeah, it makes you wonder kind of what reason they would give for not letting walkers through there. Maybe they'd convert it to a, a marijuana farm or something. <laughs> so... The Noggerup campsite, I've not, I can't remember the pictures from Don's write-up, but where does that rate as a campsite? Is it kind of so-so like the rest of them or is it a little bit extra that makes it kind of memorable? Well, look, it doesn't have fabulous views like some of the campsites have got, but I quite like the outlook. It's built up onto the side of a hill somewhat and it's terraced a little bit so you're looking down over a gully i have seen the creek in that flow but not many times i quite like the spot i've got good memories of that spot well i think for me it's true for the whole track you you remember the good times and your favorite places are because of those experiences yeah we've certainly talked about that before where like a trail and your experience on it may not reflect how good the actual technical trail is yeah. but yeah in terms of uh enjoying a campsite if you've got good people there or it'd been a good day's walk or you had a nice sunset then certainly that can uh, be a positive effect on your thoughts on that area how did you find this one don before I talk about the the campsite, I just wanted to mention something that I had to, had to point out was that Preston National Park, from afar, looks very, very boring. And when, when I approached it, I, I, I made a smart aleck comment about how it was my favorite national park now ahead of, of you know, like the really great ones like Karajini and Stirling Range and Fitzgerald River because it just looked so bad. But then once we actually started walking through it, I had to, you know, <laughs> eat my words a bit because... The time of year that we went, it was in September, and the wildflowers were actually quite nice. So while the trees themselves were not very impressive, I actually quite liked some of the uh, wildflowers in the understory. So you had to prepare some so, dehydrated humble pie that night, did you? Uh, very much so. <laughs> um, and then be just before you get there, there's a nice gully with, with a bit of a rocky garden. that I really liked that. Was that flowing when you went through? It was a bit of a trickle. There was okay. moss that was, was there. So it wasn't really heavily flowing, but there was water, which is, mm. was a nice thing. It was a very hot day that day, though. So it might, maybe it was flowing until the heat set in. But yeah, I think the campsite, I agree with what Steve said. You know, it's, it, I like the way that it's a bit terraced. And the gully there was actually flowing. It was, wasn't very much, but there was some water there. And this was my second last campsite on the track before I finished my sectional end-to-end. -end. And I actually much preferred it to, to Grimwade, to be honest. And I think part of it was the experience of the track after this because I really did not enjoy the walking from Nogger up to Grimwade. So if, if we had finished here and then it was the next day was waking up, basically we skipped Grimwade uh, to Grimwade. That would have been a really nice sort of last day, but we kept going and I didn't quite like the rest that came after. 
Right, we'll get straight into that then. Uh, what were the reasons why you didn't enjoy the walking to Grimwade? I think you could put the photos in any order here in what I took, and it would be correct because it basically looks <laughs> it looks the same. There's just endless the same kind of forest. Sometimes it's on a railway track. It's an on old uh, rail formation. Sometimes it's not, but it's very much the same, and you don't really get a lot of variety. And it, I think as well, because we, we were doubling from Umble Up through to Grimwade, the monotonousness kind of really rang through. So I guess uh, the virgin forest there didn't impress you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you blink? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there were some bits that were not so bad, the, you know, the virgin forest, but it was also very badly burnt virgin forest, which I think that's that's a bit of a, of a thing that I've, you know, I've said probably a few times in, in these pods is I would love to see the Jarrah forest without all the char marks and, and see it for what it, it was. I, I understand that, you know, you've got that there's a certain amount of risk of aversion there in, in trying to get rid of some of the fuel load. But it also is is just frustrating when I, I, I an experiment would be, can I go thirty seconds without seeing char marks on a tree? <laughs> oh, darn. I'll take I'll keep that in mind when I'm doing this in July, and yeah, we'll see what that day ends up being. What if it's like amazing and there's no char marks at all? It's all recovered. How would you feel then? I would say you're lying because Jarrah holds those scars. <laughs> Okay, so I'll give you my perspective. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah I think you might need to balance out a bit. <laughs> yeah, so from from Logrup campsite, you you followed uh, follow an old rail formation. I think it's now called Atom Road. I quite like the area through there. It's it's a little bit undulating there. It, for me, it does change a little bit through there. It's yes, it's Jarrah Forest, but I I see variations in that too. I guess there's a section that I quite like south of the Bitumen Road, I think, which is Loudon Grimwade Road, the first one you come mm-hmm. to. And not long after leaving that, you get onto this really old rail formation through there. And I guess, well, this can apply to any rail formation, I guess, but I quite like that because it's quite long. It's a sweeping rail formation. It's got curves in it. It's got really good views down into the uh, the gully as you walk along. And I can't help when I'm walking along that particular one thinking what it was like 100 years ago when the train was coming along. Forgetting what they were actually doing, right? It's just <laughs> <laughs> the romantic yeah. nature of a steam train, right? Yeah. Um, but I just think about, it just brings, you know, a lot of, what's the word, I guess... I'm very pensive, I guess, I'm trying to say, when I'm walking that section. And when you get off that rail formation and you head up the hill, again, from memory, I think it's Wild Dog Road or something to that effect, Mm. you actually pass some old fence lines, which gives you a bit more insight into what was going on there. And then, I guess, closer to Grimwade, you've got two hills that you kind of get to the top of and cross over before you do some steep descents into the gullies. And you get some views over to the farmland, I think, out towards... Is it Malali up out that way? I'm not quite sure to the west. But certainly some farmland out that way uh, before you get down to Grimwade. And I, Donovan, I kind of know what you mean about how much you like Nogger up in preference to Grimwade. There are some issues with Grimwade. But the vegetation around Grimwade is a little bit different too. There's a lot of soap bush growing there. There's some really, really big marries on the descent into that gully as well. So I quite I quite like that area through there from, you know, essentially south of Nogger up. Um, mm. And I when have we heard... when we were there, Steve, um, yep. I was really impressed by the wildflower display near Grimwade on the hill just be- before the last gully descent before you reach then the rise to Grimwade. Yeah. When we were there, it was just carpeted with flame peas and mm-hmm. wattle. Nice. So after you know being very frustrated with the forest, it was actually really nice to see. Just I hadn't seen as many. I've you know I've seen a lot of flame peas on mm. the trail, but this was an exceptional amount of it. So that when, was a really nice part of the day. When was that, um, Donovan? That you walked it? That was September last year. Right. Okay. So it'd be a, a season or two after that fire went through, I guess. So maybe that was, you know, beneficial for the wildflowers. Yeah. So I guess may- maybe some of the the uh, you know the ordeal of dealing with the the burnt Jarrah was paid off in a bit by the the fact that we got to see such a lovely display of wildflowers. Sometimes that is the case. It's not always the case. But I guess what I also like about that gully before you, like you say, ascend up to Greenway, is 
when I usually walk it, it's usually May, that section there, just with the program that I run. And it's very moist. It's a lot of moss around. It's very green, you know, like the tabletop of a pool table. Mm. Um, it's, it's quite lush and lovely through there. So, yeah, I think it does depend on the season. Yeah, certainly uh, the mosses, when there's no wildflowers around, there's always something to look at, um, Yeah, especially if it is a little bit wet. It was, how was it last year? Cause we had a bit of a dry start to the autumn, didn't we? Yeah, that seems to be the case for the last few years, actually, I mm. think. Yeah, and geez, I'll, I'll tell you what, the seasons start to run into each other after all. <laughs> I forget when it did rain and when it didn't rain. But I think last year we had that very wet February. Mm. Um, as well because I remember I was actually um, in Tasmania hiking over there and I came back and the grass needed mowing and I thought (laughs) (laughs) what's going on here Um, but yeah so we had that really heavy rain and I think that might have had some effect a little bit but then there wasn't too much after it for a while I think yeah certainly with the January the record January rains we've had that's definitely had a huge effect on the track um, with maintenance trips now required for more than a week just to get some sections under control Moving on to the actual campsites, Mm. another character campsite or is it a little bit different? I I didn't mind the campsite so much until fairly recently when they moved the toilet. I've got a problem with where they put the toilet. (laughs) Yeah, it's not not a great spot right in the front there, I think. It's, It's kind of located where if you're sitting at the outside table at the campsite there you can kind of almost hear what's going on inside the toilet (laughs) (laughs) which is not a good thing i guess the main the main issue i have with it is that the first thing you see when you get into the campsite Mm. because it's on a spur trail is Mm. the toilet uh, because of where it's been placed it used to be up behind the shelter up the hill there out of sight uh, and that's when it was just a simple drop loop now that it's been made into a sealed vault Mm. toilet it's got to be accessible by vehicle to pump it out so i can see logistically why it's not where it used to be but really right there (laughs) Do do you know who personally was responsible for that design I will hunt them down. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) Yeah, but other than that, I like the the outlook at the campsite. I like the fact that it's, you know, on the side of a hill. I guess the only other thing I don't like about it is the dust, and that's a common complaint about that one. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Mm. We did find that it was very, very dusty in there. I know that Parks and Wildlife are starting to trial some different types of services. Hopefully it'll get down to that one and something will work for that one. I know that they don't want wood chips in there as a fire risk, um, the district that looks after that one. So um, don't want that in there. But um, yeah, hopefully we can get some other more, I guess, less dusty, more durable services in there would be really good. Would the foundation ever look at, you know, the uh, surface you get on play kids' playgrounds, it's kind of like that spongy, trampoline kind of stuff. Would that ever work on a campsite? Short answer, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would depend on cost and durability, I guess. That would be, you know, the, the two factors, I think, that they would have to consider. Yeah, not sure. I guess having something like that in there might detract a little bit from the the rustic nature of the campsite mm. you know what i mean yeah and make it look like a yeah. play, playground <laughs> <laughs> and I think Na- that nature that is a playground <laughs> that kind of um the kind of black color based on on how the campsites now look at blackwood mm-hmm. one of the comments a lot mm-hmm. of people have had is because now they've got this black this sort of like blue chip instead mm. of mm. you know it's like a stone is that it just looks so bleak. That was the comment that I had when I, I was there with some other people and they were like, gee, this campsite has to be the bleakest thing I've seen on the track because of course the forest has gone around there, but then it's been replaced with this, this these like stones. Isn't it good that Blackwood isn't on this section so I don't have to talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> we can extend it out if you want to stay. <laughs> Why don't you tell us what you think about Blackwood? <laughs> uh, yeah, look. I just cry every time I think about it. It's gone from being one of the, the best campsites, the most beautiful campsites on the track, mm. to just a moonscape. And it's there's just been one little disaster after another. Of course, after the big disaster being the fire. Um, lots of mm. little things have just, you know, snowballed, I guess, just to make it such a terrible place to stay. I don't like staying there. I actually don't take groups up there anymore. 
um, until there's done, been some significant rehabilitation, it's just not worth it really. Yeah, it's one thing I'm a bit disappointed in, kind of taking up long distance hiking, that I now don't get to experience Blackwood as it was and how everyone describes it. And I'll probably have to wait hmm. 20, 30, 40 years before it will get anywhere near that. Okay. And even then, it will probably never be the same. So yeah, yeah, I know you'd probably feel similar, Don. Yeah, I mean, th- th- that and the fact that I never got to cross the old Longali Bridge are probably two uh, of my biggest regrets of yeah. the Bibbleman Track. Yeah, I mean, I still walk to Blackwood. I just don't stay there overnight, you know. <clears> so it's, we just don't camp there. It's not much fun, particularly if the weather's bad. And that's the biggest issue. I actually think you can get caught out if you're not well prepared in a storm up there because, of course, as... I think almost everyone knows that shelter faces the weather. So there's only yep. one tiny spot in that shelter where you can take cover, <laughs> you know, in the, the top bunk basically in the corner. Yeah. yeah, you had to set up your tent um in actually inside the shelter, didn't you, Don? Yeah, we, we mm. did that and that's something that we always do just to as we always keep the mesh up. Uh, just to keep the bugs out and when we did that everyone in Blackwood did the same thing after they're like oh that's a great idea because it was just excessively windy in there Mm. not not great very hard to cook when the wind's blowing out your flames all the time yeah absolutely and it's such a a stark contrast to what it used to be with all those pines around there used to be a fantastic windbreak you know if it was if the wind was coming into the shelter you could go back up into the tent sites and you know find refuge there Mm. Um, Mm. look just quickly about Blackwood, I don't want to dwell on it too much, <laughs> but we are looking at relocating it, still on the same hill, but in a different position. Probably, I don't know, we've looked at a few sites to the south side, so it kind of overlooks Southampton down that way. Uh, so it's a bit more protected. It's in the Murray Forest, but there are other issues there as well. So yeah, we're going to have to sit on that one for a while. Yeah, I don't want to dwell on this too much because we've kind of gone a bit off topic here. Um, but the pine plantation, was that private property and will that ever get replanted, either pines or native forest? The pine plantation where the campsite is, is essentially all owned by the Forest Product Commission. So um, that's where it's a little bit difficult dealing with what's going on there. Certainly, as you know, they went in and harvested a lot of the pines after the fire, what they could harvest, and the rest they had to chop down because they were just dangerous. But they've replanted a lot of the pines to the north of the campsite already. So the walk-in, if I have anything to do it, will come off the roads that is there and back through the pines. So at mm. least you're on a single trail rather than on the roads there. Yeah. I'll uh, bite my tongue when it comes to the FPC. So we'll get back to the section that we're actually meant to talk about. Where were we walking? Yeah, <laughs> where were we walking? Grimwade. So Grimwade into bailing up. So you've kind of finishing the town-to-town section, even though it is one of the, the shorter town-to-town sections. Does it improve, Don? Do you enjoy this bit? No. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, do you enjoy this bit? Um, I, one of the things I don't like about the section south of Grimwade is the infestation of blackberry. There's a lot. And I guess one thing that bugs me a little bit too is you are conscious of all the pine plantation around there. And when you see the self-seeding pines, you think, uh, you know, you're walking through a forest and thinking, mm. I don't mind walking through a pine plantation, mm. but when I walk through a Jarrah forest or whatever, and the self-seeded pines, I kind of think uh, this is kind of like the beginning of more to come, you mm. know? Um, absolutely, absolutely. Mm, yeah. I, I guess the other thing, that section through there, you are getting back to close to a town. There's more farmland, I guess. There's more civilization. So I don't feel that kind of remoteness anymore, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of know what you mean, Donovan. It's it's Look, it's okay. I, I don't know that I hate it or anything like that. Um, it's still got some nice features to it. There's some sections through there. I don't know if you you saw it when you walked through, Donovan, but there's a, a section you're walking along following a creek line, which is on your right-hand side, and there's a lot of bull banks you're through there. And for, yes. some, biz- yeah, for some bizarre reason, someone has put rocks in all the banks. Have you, did you notice that? No, no, I didn't notice that. Um, so I it's been, been there for years. Um, yep. And you're just, you're just walking along thinking, there's a rock in this tree, like above my head, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you walk to the next one and there's another one. And so for about a kilometre, there's rocks in banks. Oh, I, don't, I don't get it, but 
you know, if you want to call it interesting, fine. But I actually like the banksias and the, the creek line along that little section. And it's actually one of the sections which a lot of people don't realise, but it does become inundated in, you know, late winter, spring. I've walked through right. there in... Oh, it was about 2004, I think it was, when we had the wettest August in like a long time. Anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, I had water halfway up my shin along sections of wow. the track there, which you think you only wow. get along the Pingarup Plains further yeah. south, right? But mm. the creeks were flying. It was it wasn't for too long, I guess. So mm. you know, it kind of was different. But I quite like that area. It it is a it is quite lush, I guess. It has been heavily logged though, and that's fairly obvious. And you can see all the log landings and the old railway formations, and you know you can tell that it's been hammered in the past. That's where I think for me it was just I quite like you know older, more mature Jarrah forest, mm. but the Jarrah forest here, you know, it, in the the guidebook, I'm not. Sh- I had the old the old chunky mm-hmm. one, yep. But um, I know that it said you know it's a good opportunity to see the regener- the remarkable. <laughs> Regenerative capacity of the Jaramara forest, and it's, that's you know quote from the book. Did I put but that in no, my version? I, mean, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't. I can't remember if you kept that, but it, it looked. You know, it didn't look that impressive to me. It looked like a thirty-year-old regrowth forest, <laughs> which is what I expected. You know, the, the trees were very, very young, and I think that it, in time it'll be fine. But right now. It's yeah. a little bit young. And as, you, as yeah. you pointed out, the fact that you get these pines growing in the middle of it mm. is a little bit of a worry. As you say, mm. there's going to be more of it in the future. Mm. I don't know. It's, it has got one of the only Wandu sections, if you like, of that area, which is kind of nice just to see, although it's not long enough for me. I love Wandu. It's one of my favourites. Yes, um, I, I agree yeah. with you there. That that was the part I really liked, and I just kept thinking I just wish that it had been all one do because, and obviously you <laughs> you can't you can't plan that. It's just yeah. by fluke that there's this one do mm. section. I agree with you that I, I love the one do forest, and I'd been happy if it would have been all one do. Right, I quite like the section where you reach the farmland on the corner of that property. It's a nice place to have lunch. It's well placed, I guess in terms of the distance yeah. um, before you descend steeply down towards the first of the roads that you come to. Yeah, so we've kind of, there's a mixed bag there. Like it's it started off bad and then we kind of found some highlights there. So that's good. So anyone walking that section, it's not all bad. But then in terms of bailing up the town, I guess it's more famous being known as the Golden Valley Tree Park town where people go during autumn and it looks spectacular. And I know recently the Bailing Up Tavern has been taken over with new management. They've been very active on Facebook announcing that and there's new menus and apparently a friendlier business. What are you guys' thoughts on the town? Start with you, Don. Before I talk about the town, um, because I have been very critical of the walking from Grim Wade, uh, I just will say that I think that once you reach the bridge across Bailing Up Brook, Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the walk into town. I think it's actually one of the better walks into town because some of the town walks um, are horribly hilly or a little bit boring, like walking in from you know in into and out of Collie. But I actually really like the walk into Bailing Up. Do you agree, Steve? That it's a nice. I, yeah, I do. I really love the Bailing Up Brook itself and that whole section onward. It you're, you're not kind of straddled between a bitumen road and a fence line, so you know it's really appealing in that sense and yeah there's no great big hills a little bit undulating so there is a little bit of mystery about where you're going when you're approaching town towards i think it's the origin center there um, I quite like that little area around there i do recall on the last end to end i did though we were walking along that section where the bitumen road is higher above you and this police car kept driving up and down looking at us as it drove past <laughs> us and we were sitting there thinking what's going on? Why is this police car doing drive-bys checking mm. us out? Until we realised it was magic mushroom season and they thought we might have been uh. picking All <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. We're going to confiscate their bags full of mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It is a nice approach into town. But to answer your question, Mark, about the town, I quite like bailing up. We've used it twice as a base to start a trip and I particularly recommend the pie shop. The bakery is really good. The sausage roll and the pie? The sausage roll and the pie. The 10 at, on a plate there is... At the is same time, yeah. Very, very good. Yeah. Do they do vegetarian options? Because that's what I'll be looking for. <laughs> Although I won't actually finish here. This will be halfway for me on this uh, particular hike. 
My recollection is they sure. do. No, I think they do. I think they do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they'll do a mushroom pie or something Excellent. like that. So I think we're safe. <laughs> yeah, but bailing up in the past has certainly been really, really good with food. I'm not sure what it's like at the moment because my more recent visits to bailing up has kind of gone in and out. I kind of walked walked into town and had to drive out or vice versa. I do recall there used to be a uh, like a a co-op there many years ago which was great for walkers mm. that's since closed down obviously and the general store has done its best to cater for walkers with gear a bit of gear and also food the freeze-dried meals that kind of thing as well i guess each of the towns i don't know my perspective is that there's still a long way to go with food for walkers but i think bailing up does a, a pretty good job is it still a town without a pub is that the case because they used to use the 130k's down the road will send a bus down to pick you up so you can go to their tavern is it the Kirup tavern that you then go to don i'm not sure we didn't go there but i know that it's it's not too far to uh green bushes where they they do have a pub there but when we were there they there were yeah two puffs they didn't have how greedy are they bailing up has none bailing up didn't have one when we were there and it was actually a bit of a struggle food wise we thankfully had a car and we were able to drive to bridgetown otherwise we probably would have had very limited options in town when we were there at night time that's that's right actually uh, at night um it has been a bit of a struggle although last time i was in bailing up on a friday night they had a bit of a marketplace going on at the uh, the shed there in the main street mm. um so you had a bit of a selection of pizzas and a few other things going on so i think the locals are really trying hard and doing a you know, doing what they can to attract visitors to the town, uh, especially for dinner at night. I do want to know what you mean, though. I've had to just do it myself a lot of the time. I guess the other thing with bailing up, I guess it doesn't have a good supply of fruit and veg. Um, I kind of miss that. When I went through on the 10th anniversary end to end, we actually took a whole lot of orders and drove up to Malali up and did some shopping there for the fruit and veg. Yeah, because it's not like they're lacking in that area for fruit orchids and you know, mm. getting fresh produce in no. there. Yeah, I, I guess there's other centres around that are bigger than bailing up, and that's you know what people are used to. Maybe I'm not sure, but yeah, you're right about the local project produce. It's 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 pretty good. So just to go to Greenbushes, I guess that's the difference between a kind of mining town being Greenbush and ha- Greenbushes having two pubs and bailing up having none. Mm. And you never <laughs> um, know, they yeah. might add a third pub with uh, the new <laughs> lithium mines that they've got up there. That's going to be booming over maybe. the next twenty years. Yeah. So who knows? And do you know what? Until the last, I don't know, four or five years, I guess, the thing I really liked about bailing up is it didn't have a mobile phone tower. <laughs> <laughs> you could actually get out on the track and not get reception, which, you know, I know it's good to have it for various reason, reasons, but I knew that when I let a walk down that way, no one's phone would go off, mm. <laughs> you know, and I kind of really enjoyed that. And then the towers went up and went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess while we've got you here, Steve, um, Walking north to south, you kind of you don't hit the Golden Valley Tree Park. But we'll talk about it while you're here. Did it always go through the the tree park, or was that kind of diversion you put in to add something extra to the experience? So when the new trail was built, you know the the 1998 trail going all the way through to Albany, it was aligned through the Golden Valley Tree Park. Prior to that, the old Billman track didn't go south of Bailing Up. It actually didn't go to Bailing Up from memory at all. Really? Did it go through town? Yes, it did. Sorry, it did go through town, but what it did was it headed down the the road out to the old cheese factory mm. and then headed out to Lawana uh, along roads. <laughs> so it didn't go south of the town itself. So, um, yeah, the decision was made to get it away from the massive hills in the pine plantations at Lawana and head it south to um, Golden Valley Tree Park and then further on to Blackwood from there. So yeah, that was a, a recent addition, I guess. And the Golden Valley Tree Park's got a really interesting history too, So, mm. um, which I won't spend time on here. But it's, um, it's good that it's there to see all the different kinds of trees. And again, like you say, in autumn, it's spectacular. All right, so we'll finish up there. We'll have some final thoughts um, from you guys about where you would kind of rate Collie to bailing up within the context of the track. I know you've certainly got some thoughts on this, Don. I will not be mean, so I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Surely you've got some good memories because you finished your sectional end-to-end there. That must at least be something. 
it certainly cemented my feelings about Jarrah Forest and made me wish that I had saved doing Walpole to Denmark again as my final stretch because that that's probably still my favourite bit. So it's somewhere down the line there. There are some, some nice bits. I really enjoyed Collie through to Mumbleup, but Mumbleup to just before Bailing Up Brook, probably a bit less so. Yeah, I guess for me, it's that section, it's almost like you've got to walk a, a bit of the dull bit, if you like, to get to some of the good bits. It's, it's not highlights the whole way. It's not a section of track that's at the top of my list, granted, but... You know, I still do like some of those sections, like that section south of the Loudon Grimwade Road. That is one of my favourites through there to, to to the Grimwade campsites. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a little bit quirky. You know, it's got a bit of farmland. It's got the dam. And I guess the other thing for an end-to-ender to consider is that that's one of the last Jarrah Forest sections you're going to be walking if you're walking north to south. So because, you know, not long after you leave bailing up, down the Carry Gully there, you're, you're into the Carry Forest. Maybe that's a saving grace. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to persuade you here, Donovan. I don't know. <laughs> I'm throwing you a line. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone can persuade Donovan that this is going to be a section he should repeat anytime soon. <laughs> Actually, I, I'll tell you what, one of my fondest memories of that section is when we were doing the 10th anniversary walk and we were walking south to north and we'd left bailing up and they were just gearing up for the medieval festival and that's the other thing good about bailing up they had a lot of these mm. good you know shows like your festivals and fates um, that really draw people in but anyway we were heading north and we hadn't quite got to Grimwade and I saw in the distance three people walking towards me and I had to rub my eyes because I couldn't <laughs> believe what I was seeing <laughs> These two guys that, that were doing a um, commemorative walk, if you like, for the medieval festival. Mm. And two of the guys were dressed in full chain mail. You can imagine how heavy that is. I think it was like 30 <laughs> kilos just with that. And they're walking from Collie to Balingham. And they had a third guy who was effectively their porter who carried most <laughs> of the gear, who didn't have uh, chain mail. But... I couldn't help but thinking, uh, you got the coconuts there that you're tapping together like in Monty Python <laughs> for the, <laughs> the horse noise, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, the clotting along. Um, but yeah, just seeing those three guys out there was just like, really? What? <laughs> uh, weird things to see on the track. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Mark, you were saying that it's not a section that I'm going to do again. In a way, I maybe am going to do a little bit of it again. Um, not because I'm a sucker for punishment, but because there is a bit of the Bibbulmun I haven't done yet, which is the Wellington Spur Trail. You know, I've been to Lyle Mills Camp, but I also really love Wellington National Park. And so that's something that I haven't done. And it'd be interesting to hear from Steve as to how this came about, because it's, it's a bit of an oddity on the track. There's this little spur that runs off that it's a substantial spur. It's not like it's just to a lookout or just to a side trail like in the Pingrup Plains there's the mountains as side trails, which is, you know, fair enough. But this is a you know, a complete different um, junction that goes in a different way. How did this come about? And I, I think there's there's some future plans to extend it. Is that is that right? Kind of, yeah. So the the Wellington Spur Trail came about because we soon realized that there were a number of campsites uh, in the northern half of the trail that were getting overused I guess by groups in particular youth groups and school groups and and for good reason I guess um, a campsite like Manadnox is close to Perth it's easily accessible but what we wanted to do was attract people to a slightly different area area further south just to reduce the impact on some of the other campsites and I guess Swampoke was another one we were looking at because you know it's you can tell there's been a lot of people camping there so we decided to look at Collie mainly because the Wellington National Park and the, the area around the dam has other uses uh, in terms of recreation. So you've got canoeing there, you've got the mountain bike trails. So we wanted to incorporate a trail that would, I guess, attract schools, not just to hike, but do mountain biking and canoeing as well, if they wanted to. But it also meant that they could do a, a walk which had group campsites on it too. So 
and that's how it really came about. We did a, did a survey with a lot of schools and you know asked them what is it about the bib track you like? What is it that makes you go there all the time? What are your needs in terms of what you need at the campsite? And I guess that's how the group campsites came about. And then we just looked at the areas and, and Collie just kind of made sense. It kind of ticked all the boxes. It hasn't been heavily promoted, I guess, but increasingly we're finding more and more groups are using it. We're getting a lot more notice of intents for Lyosmill and Arcadia campsites. And I guess the other thing about those two campsites, it'll suit schools with bigger groups because the, the maximum capacity of those campsites is 30. So yeah, that's, that's the kind of history behind it. With regard to the extension of it, we're actually, with Parks and Wildlife, looking at making it into a circuit trail. So you can actually loop back to the north and back into Collie around that way. So I guess Potter's Gorge will be another campsite and then might have another campsite on the northern kind of end of it. So it'll be similar to, if people remember, back to the old track, there was a circuit called the Collie Circuit around there, which was, I think from memory, a three-day walk. It's one of the first walks I ever did on the bib track and got so lost. But anyway, <laughs> that's another story. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that, that's the intention at this stage. Um, it's still very much in the planning stage of it all. Yeah, that's the history of the Wellington Spur Trail. And I think, you know, it's a good idea. I think it'll be, help uh, reduce numbers at other campsites, but also give schools and other youth groups some more options. Yeah, certainly when we talk about kind of, I know Don said there's a few missed opportunities coming through Collie. I think a circuit trail will kind of patch that up a little bit. So I have spent a couple of trips down to Collie in Wellington National Park over the summer and it is an amazing place that you kind of, you'd like to go to walking the bib and then having a circuit gives you that option. And especially only really having a few multi-day trails in WA if you only want to go out for four days and not have to shuffle cars or go back the way you came, it's certainly a great option to have in the future if it gets off the ground. Yeah, certainly I felt I, I totally agree with you, Mark. Uh, when we went to Wellington National Park, I didn't expect very much of it being a dam. But when we actually got there, I was actually amazed by how beautiful the forest is there. And, you know, places like Honeymoon Pool and things like that. And then realizing that the Bibbleman, the old Bibbleman did actually go through there mm. was a bit of a, like, as, as you say, it felt a bit like a lost, missed opportunity because mm. it seemed like such a lovely place. Yeah, the old Bibbleman track actually had three circuit trails out there um, that came off the main trail. I guess also the main trail from memory used to go through Honeymoon Pool. Um, it never used to go into Collie, which was one of the flaws of the old track. If you ever <laughs> wanted to get to town to get some food resupply or whatever, you had to walk down the highway or hitch or something, right? But yeah, you're right. The, the circuit trails there were really good. Um, some of the circuit trails are still there. I know one of them has long since been taken over by mountain bikers. That's the Leonard Circuit. Mm. Um, but there's the Jabich Walk Trail and... I can't remember the name of the other one. Uh, the Seeker Trail? Seeker, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the one. So they were both part of the Bibbleman track as well. Um, that's when we had the, the four different coloured woggles. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's certainly like before I visited, I'd assume because it was near Collie that because of the mining, I don't know why, I thought it would be logged as well and it would just kind of be regrowth Jarrah. But the quality of the Jarrah Forest in Wellington National Park is above and beyond mm. most of what you'll see on the track, yeah. um, especially north of Collie. So it'd be nice in the future to be able to add three or four days onto your trip and go through there. The, the Wellington Spur Trail itself, just to um, warn you, Donovan, <laughs> it, it, does go, yes. it, it does go through a little bit of farmland, uh, or alongside it at least, um, and areas of Jarrah which have been fairly heavily logged before you get to the National Park. It does follow some old rail formations. There is a bit of variety. There is a pine plantation through there as well. Um, so it does offer the variety. I quite like it. I quite like the section. Um, I'm just trying to think of the road now. I think it's Wright Road all the way through to the dam itself and via um, Acadia campsite. That's that's the nicest part for me rather than the section closest to uh, Yabber up in Lyles Mill. You could almost hear him scratching that off his list. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> no, I, I am a completist and I do want to do it. Just like one day I, I want to actually um, kayak across from Denmark to the other side of the river because I just feel like I've not done that bit. So one day I will, uh, I will complete it properly. And yeah. so, yes, I do want to actually do it, even, even if it is a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit boring. But I, I'm sure, as you say, like, I don't mind doing it if there's something good to look forward to, mm. which is, I think, the, the bit leading into Wellington Dam yeah. is something that I think will mm. be, be worth doing for. Yeah. One, one floor, I guess, about the trail, which kind of, for me, didn't complete it, was that we didn't get permission to walk across the dam wall. Um, so the trail officially ends on the south side of the wall, and then you're going to kind of make your way down the roads to cross at the bottom and then walk back up to the kiosk right. and car park on the other side. There is a walk trail that you pick up on the north side of the river to get up to the kiosk. But yeah, it kind of disappointed me a little bit that we couldn't do the same thing as we did at Mundaring Weir. I remember my sister took me out to Wellington Dam and kind of being able to walk or go near the, the dam wall and you're just like, oh, why can't I just go mm. that little bit further? Because mm. it's, yeah. especially it's always kind of, not full, but when I was there, it was overflowing. And to be able to see that, because I remember years and years ago, I think it was like 1994 or 1995, my parents took me to Mundaring Weir when it was overflowing. Mm. And you just kind of, you, you won't get that again, most likely in Perth. So it'd be nice to be able to get up close to that, especially if mm. you just rocked up on, on your walk and it was like that. Mm. All right, and on that note, thanks very much, Steve, for coming in. It's been great to have your insight to kind of balance out Don's negativity <laughs> about the Jarrah Forest. <laughs> thanks guys no, that's all good it's great fun yeah and we'll definitely have you back because we do want to talk about uh, the Billman Track events calendar and also your role with the foundation which we didn't get a chance to get to on this podcast and before we go I think by the time this goes to air we will have a new office so stay tuned excellent yeah it's been a tough time for the foundation <laughs> um, but yeah hopefully things are on the up and it'll just get yep. better and better from here Okay, thanks again, Steve, for coming in, and thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with our next episode, which will be about Mark's trip to Costa Rica and his origin myth on how he became a hiker. So stay tuned.